Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver and another episode of The Shrink and the Pundit where I talk with Dr. Keith Witt about all things integral. This week, the evolutionary power of a pandemic and life in lockdown. Here's Keith and me. So how you doing? Here we are in the year of the plague and the age of the shutdown, right in the thick of it here. What is this, April 17th? A month into shelter in place. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I remember once um, reading a, a, a piece that this guy wrote. Now, I'm not remembering his name. on the second tier functioning. He said, in the second tier, you can change direction at high velocities. And I feel like I, that everybody's being for, forced to change direction at high velocities, including me. Um, and so I'm observing the world and adjusting. And my life really hasn't changed uh, that much compared to, to, to quite a lot of other people. Right. Yeah, same here. You know, I was sheltering in place anyway. Yeah. You know, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> Right. Sheltered place has preferred lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well, first of all, the one observation I'd make about this is that thank God for the internet. Yes. I mean, can you believe what's going on in terms of people connecting and figuring it out and, you know, doing the best we can with this thing? It, uh -huh. It's not face to face. It lacks a certain something, mm -hmm. but if we're like you and I talked about the morphic field, uh, an episode or two ago when we talked about Rupert Sheldrake. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is there a non-local connection that actually is happening? Is, you know, is there something that's bigger than just pe pixels on the screen in terms of Wii space and louche and that, you know? And I th think there is. I think we're, again, figuring it out. <laughs> and uh, so I've, I want to notice that. Yeah, I feel it. I definitely feel it. And and how are you doing? I mean, okay, so you've been, you were in sheltering place, but still it's quite different. Uh, yeah, it is. And, you know, what's different is actually what we're talking about with this morphic field and just the field of suffering that is, you know, it's always there. You know, people are always dying and there's always sickness and suffering. Mm -hmm. But this sort of thing brings it into stark relief. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the things that's, I think, evolutionarily powerful about it is that it is the, it's the thing that's in stark relief that the whole world is looking at. And we're having this world centric moment that's unprecedented, I think. Yeah. Yes. Because it affects everybody. Mm -hmm. And plus, we have this skin of technological brain that we've built up around the planet where we're all just checking in on everything. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that is, you know, again, in terms of the morphic field, something that will not be completely undone. You That's know, we'll forget about it. We'll go a little less conscious. But, you know, there's a net gain to that sort of thing. That's my hope. Um, in the midst of this whole world centric moment where everyone is is is, is gets that we, we all need to to um, understand the pandemic as a worldwide threat and a worldwide phenomena, um, seeing the Trump administration uh, deny money to the World Health Organization. Um, uh, it, that, that 
I'm assuming that the 80% of the people that heard that, they didn't like it. Um, yeah. Maybe 75%, even even Trump, some Trump, some Trump, Trump supporters, even though they'll still vote for him. I don't think they liked that. Um, yeah, I see his approval ratings are down six points uh, in the last couple of days. Oh, that's and good. that's uh, from a you know pretty stubborn level of mid forties. Yeah, right. And 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 recently uh, up into almost fifty, and we're talking about Gallup. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the, that that um, <laughs> I think of this joke. I I, got, I have to just share it. It's oh, from yeah, one, I, I put it on one of my podcasts. jokes. I put it on one of my podcasts. It's some young comedian. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, actually, it's Al Capone, actually, is his name. And he talks about uh, Trump. And he said, America needs 40,000 ventilators. And Trump is like, 30,000 ventilators? What do you need 20,000 ventilators for? <laughs> <laughs> hey. So, you know, I think just in general, there's a tiredness of the bullshit artist that yeah, we this again Trump. brings into stark relief because we're not talking about, you know, gender relations or sexism. But, you know, we're talking about a hard thing, a science thing. Yeah. And, you know, it does show where the, that that's a thin gruel for a lot of people and a lot of independents. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. You know, I, I initially when all this went down, I thought, well, we're going to have shared sacrifice. This is a lot like World War Two. And now, recently, I began to feel it's beginning to be more reminiscent to me of Vietnam. Because in Vietnam, there was a sense of shared threat, at least to me as a teenage boy. And, and every night on the news, there were um, videos of people suffering in Vietnam. Um, and... Uh, it was it was a standard. It was the first it was the first war that was on TV, and the the stimulus of the war on TV plus that underlying pressure on all of us. We're going to have to go fight there. Maybe it might get us. Probably won't get us, but might get us. It's been very similar to that, and I'm I'm kind of this is where I'm getting encouraged. Mm -hmm. uh, I, because that's what drove a lot of the most. Um, uh, uh, well, it brought in postmodernism. It, you know, it's one of the things. It, drove it brought in its new stage of human history. You know, like punctuated equilibrium. There was yeah. a surge towards postmodernism. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another thing that's... It, it had started, you know, we had the beatniks and we had, you know, World War II essentially got rid of all the triumphal narratives. Yeah, that's but true. By the Vietnam War, we, you know, that really uh, you know, brought that on. And I think actually we're seeing here a, a certainly a continuation of that and probably a move into integral if we thought it through. But clearly, it, you know, if if green or postmodern progressive is the sensitive self, as Claire Graves described it, um, you know, I mean, what we're seeing in terms of the emergency rooms and the doctors and the nurses and the first responders and the people themselves suffering and the people who have no, uh, you know, shelter in place option. And all of this stuff, this has all always been happening, only much yes. worse, actually. Yes. What's true now is that we see it mm -hmm. and we become ever more sensitized to it. And that's, you know, they're dripping with it on MSNBC. Yeah. 
But Fox is doing it too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Fox is, has a, you know, there's clearly a different spin on things. But in terms of the human drama, there's a big, and this is another thing I'm noticing that I think is evolutionarily powerful. It's just a collective action in this country, not just action, but also men- mentally. Yeah, mental in the, action. In the yeah. left hand quadrants. Yeah. That I find astonishing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you think of where we were two months ago, where we were six weeks ago, when I was traveling down to my sisters in Orlando, Florida, whatever it was, a month ago. A month ago. You know, without a mask. And now, you know, you don't walk out in the street without a mask. In California, you actually real, literally don't, do you? Well, in Santa Barbara, it's, it's looser because Santa Barbara got on the shelter in place quickly. So in this area, there have been very few cases, only a couple of deaths. Um, downtown, you wear masks. But, you know, I basically, Becky, I showed you these pictures. Becky, Becky and I go on the trails in the morning, and I come and do remote sessions. Um, I, and my, my window is basically the news and the people that I'm working with. Right. Now, one interesting thing that I've noticed, Jeff, is that a lot of the people I work with, particularly the women, um, are only uh, listening to the amount of the news that they need to be informed and safe. And they're resisting outrage. They're saying, you know, I, I, and I'm thinking, these are all exit green people. And I think, Hallelujah. I think one thing about this is it's going to push a lot of exit green people into teal because outrage, you know, three years, I, you know, people have had it with outrage. Um, you know, like I get, I start feeling outraged and I immediately want to transition in, into a deeper understanding. And I've seen that spontaneously arising um, from a lot of people that I work, a lot of green people that I'm working with. And I, I'm encouraged by that. And I'm yeah. wondering if there's some kind of um, national effect on that. Of course, I don't have any data about it other than my own practice, but it's quite striking. Yeah, I think so too. And it's it's sort of part and parcel with this tiredness of the Trump show. Yeah. Um, you know, because he's an outrage machine and I get tired of having my nervous system played. Yeah, me too. And I think, you know, this and and then when you add this coronavirus, it's like enough already. I want to keep informed. I'm I'm a responsible citizen and I want to be responsible to myself and my loved ones. So I'll check in. I want to know what's going on. But do I want to marinate in that? No. No, I don't. Much rather watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. (laughs) Much rather actually watch Hitler's Circle of Evil, which is what I've been watching on Netflix. It's a documentary (laughs) about, you know, the development of the Nazis. I prefer that. Any parallels? See any parallels? <laughs> um, well, I mean, if a, a, any idea that we're slipping into fascism in the way that they did then is uh, watch it, gonna, you'll say, please. No, not going to happen. No, no. Well, but, uh, but you can see that, that there's a certain autocratic archetype. Yes, it's like yes. Chuck was watching it with me last night, and, and it, it, they were talking about how they would manage the news and, and you know, just sort of, sort of fight. You know, they're fighters. Right, right. And, um, and Chuck was like, yes, it's like as if Trump had studied this or watched this, and yet we know that he's famously unread about yeah. everything. <laughs> it's an archetype. <laughs> and, and it turns out it's just the autocrat archetype. 
Yeah, it's what you do. You know, you, you, you undermine the opponent, you spin the news, you confuse, you keep everybody's attention on you, you keep your staff, you know, on their heels. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, in terms of um, what, what's going on now, I, uh, I'm most encouraged by the South Korea. I think we all are, right? Wasn't that the South great? Korea example where they were on top of it with the testing. The testing's key to the city. Yeah. And, you know, clearly, I think we have come to this uh, many weeks or t- maybe two months too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, will we learn something? Will the world be that much more ready for a pandemic? I mean, it's astonishing that I, I couldn't get um, face masks or gloves or hand sanitizer. I don't think, you know, we're going to make that mistake again. And here's another, actually, if you want to know, you know, the sort of historical parallels, it's like shit comes at you. Mm -hmm. This is true for you as, for us as individuals and as cultures, that shit comes out of left field and nobody's ever ready. Yeah. Right. And and then you become ready. and, And, and then the next thing hits, you know, in the 1918 flu, um, there were more deaths with the second wave of the flu than with the first one. And, and, and what I'm noticing about this thing is that, you know, that we've had a lot of flu seasons, um, but I've never been in a flu season where people are writing articles about what happens to your body when you have the flu, um, where people are, are, are showing pictures of the flu virus. Um, and, and I think, I think that there is this thing around the world now where everybody now has this archetype of what do we do when, when the deadly virus strikes? <laughs> and, you know, we've all practiced it now. We've all done the drill. Mm-hmm. You know, South Korea literally did a drill in December before the, it hit in, in Seoul. Um, and so one thing about being prepared for a pandemic is that in our consciousness, in our unconscious we're not just thinking about ourselves, about, about our country. We're, all, we're always thinking about the world. You know, the, the federal agency that was disbanded, that was, that was supposed to track down, that was designed to track down and, and stop these internationally. I don't think that's going to be defunded again. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in, in Brazil, uh, Bolsonaro now is being somewhat isolated by the governors, just like in the United States. Because he's t- saying to Sao Paulo, go and w- go go and do business, and never mind about this. Basically, saying, as Trump suggested in one of his briefing, one of his uh, meetings that was leaked, let it flood through the country. Let the people who are going to die die. You know, let everything be overwhelmed for for a few months, and then let's get back to business. Because you know that that's what's best for Trump and his guys. One yeah. one of my most my my favorite statistics out of that is while. While Trump is saying, uh, don't wear masks, uh, the Trump administration sent away to South Korea for 3,500 masks for the Trump administration, that they were stockpiling masks while they were telling everybody. And it's not like I'm outraged about that, uh, though I am, of course. What I'm seeing, what I'm seeing is this, the, the classism double standard that is now on more and more display. You know, the disproportionate amount of blacks that are dying from this, um, the, the disproportionate a, a portion of, of healthcare, the, the utter failure to, as far as I can see, of a for-profit healthcare system. 
Because, you know, why, why haven't we been having a lot of um, stockpiling of, of uh, protective gear? Why haven't we been having widespread tests? Because um, uh, the people that, that run all of those systems, if, if it's not, if I'm not personally tasked and if I'm not going to make a lot of money for my company, I'm not going to do it. I mean, nobody's, nobody's going to step up and say, I'm going to sacrifice my company for the highest good. That's the government's job. So if the government doesn't do it, then there's a lot of people pointing at each other and nothing, nothing gets done. That's the for-profit health care system. And I am frankly seeing it shown to be so much less effective. Um, it's my, again, it's my hope that if we have the perfect storm, you know, in a good way, you know, a democratic president, democratic both houses, that there might be some, some great society type stuff that might come out of this. And it, if it did, that would be an amazing... Um, yeah. Well, let me just point out that it has. I mean, we had a Republican president and Senate vote for a $2 trillion bailout. That's true. Uh, that is, um, you know, and, and it's an election year, Keith. Yeah. There's going to be all kinds of stories about who did what, and there's a lot of political spin around all of this. And I... I think that both sides, considering our two-party system, would be irresponsible not to spit everything they can their way. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not complaining about it necessarily. Yeah, yeah, right. I just want to notice it. Yeah. And, and also that um, when you have uh, – so this bailout will be critiqued all sorts of ways, some of which I may believe I don't know. I'm a, I'm a lot of don't-know mind about this shit anymore. But what right. I do know is that in times of – stress and in times of strife like this uh, coronavirus, that the whole country turned to the government. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, you know, that welcome to the next stage of human history where it's it just default. And again, it's because the culture war is fought on these extremes of the liberals and the traditionalists. And then the you know poor modernists are pulled both ways and they're not as ideological and they just want to keep the trains running on time and they're scientific and rational. Right. But this is the one time where they get to win. Yeah. And Green too. Green gets to win because the, the more and more the people that say, let's take care of people yes. are being empowered. Yes. And I, and, and I think that's another, another driver to push Green into exit Green because once... You know, Green has always been suffered from being impotent, okay? So once you give Green power, Green has to face its own reluctance to help out red and amber and orange. And so the, the people that are rising to the top are saying, hey, look, um, we're going to help everybody, and I don't care if it's a red rural state. If they're having a lot of problems, uh, I, I suspect New York will be, will be, will be uh, sending aid to South Dakota, okay? And not in, not for political reasons, but because we have stuff to give, we have an experience. Those those kinds of gestures um, push green into teal. Um, yeah, and and you know, so here's a couple of other things. I've been noticing these other things happening around the lockdown that are kind of endearing. So here's one: most of the you know, there's more domestic violence and crime now. That's been going up because of all this stuff. But in my practice, couples have been getting sweeter with each other. You know, the people that work with me, they're staying home with their kids. Yeah. And they're getting their routines and they're not distracted. And 
even couples that were on the edge. I mean, there's one couple that I'm working with that that actually might divorce when this goes down, but they're being they're getting along better than they've got along <laughs> in 10 years. So there's kind of a sweetness. Yeah. And another thing I'm noticing is an appreciation for schools. Because yeah. I, I talked to this 17-year-old who was just falling to pieces, and he said, I never realized how great it was to have a schedule where I went into a room and there was essentially a container that was designed to have me learn a calculus or AP history. And I've worked with a lot of teachers. The teachers talk about tuning up their room so it's a container that's a learning environment. Well, you know, that really has a significance and that makes it a lot easier for kids to learn if you got a teacher who's doing that. And, you know, the research on that has always been great. Um, the, you know, the good, if you have one great teacher, your income goes up after college. I mean, that's in, in your entire, you know, elementary school career. And so the, the, the significance of and the importance of that, as people try to homeschool their kids and try to get their kids to focus on a TV screen, to try to figure out how to do, you know, algebra or whatever. Yeah. And so, and also there's, there's, there's a cool story that, that um, I heard from David, David Reardon. I think it was the Atlanta school district got a new superintendent and she saw that, he, that the bad teachers couldn't be fired because of, of tenure because of the teachers union. So she said she, that she wanted to double teachers salaries, you know, not, not, she wasn't dicking around. It was like, I'm going to go from like 60,000 to 120, but if you do it, you can't be in the teachers union or you, or you have to agree that you can get fired if you're not a good teacher, not necessarily a superior teacher. And the interesting thing about that to me is the teachers union wouldn't let that come to a vote. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going, okay, so, so I'm looking now at an entrenched interest yeah. that, 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 that was getting, putting a block to what I wanted to have happened for many years. You know, my parents are both public school teachers, double the salaries of teachers because they're so important. Um, and, and so when you have something like this, it kind of disintegrates yeah. entrenched interests, yeah. which makes it a little bit more possible for us to reconfigure yeah. on, a, on a more complex level, which is what, what I think is, gonna, is happening. Yes. yes, I agree. It's, yeah. it's sort of the collective version of conditioned mind, yes. if, if you know what I mean. It's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's the automatic thinking yeah. Yeah. that yeah. We, in, we do meditation to interrupt that. Yeah. You know, and this is an interruption of that collectively. And Can we're going to rethink a, a lot of things. So I've been noticing that otherwise credible people are, are making dire predictions. A Great Depression is going to happen. Um, now I know in Bulgaria, it's to moving towards fascism. You know, the, the, gov- the, 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 the head of the government is, has been given the power to suspend laws, which is dangerous. But, I, but otherwise credible people who are not alarmists are saying things like, well, you know, uh, you know, the, the economy will, will never get back. Um, uh, the government will take control. Uh, um, and I'm wondering if that, that, if that, what do you think about that? I, I feel like it's, it's a reflection of that, that the, the morphic field of dread that is associated yeah. with the pandemic. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that first, first of all, there's a dire prediction industry. Oh, that's right. So, you know, um, there's always an appetite for that. And part of it is because things go to shit in samsara, uh-huh. you know, in this world. 
And, you know, if you look I'll at history, <laughs> yeah, if you look Get at bored, history, everything goes to shit. <laughs> well, you know, we all have our apocalypse. If the apocalypse is assured, uh, one death per person, a very stubborn death rate here. Right. But, uh, right. you know, I, I, what I think Integral could show us is that there is also an updraft of complexity and resilience and the ability to get back on track. And even if you look at, this is another thing from this documentary, uh, if you look at how Europe was decimated in World War II and how fat, uh, Japan yeah, and Japan. then you know, ten years later, we're buying their cars. Everybody's you know, they're rocking and rolling again. That's right. And uh, modernity is astonishingly resilient, and we're not, you know. So I, I, I go on that side. Me too. Uh, you know, and I and I also see that there's, uh, there's a, you know, aside from the asteroid hitting or some life condition. Yeah. Like that where, you know, it's like Stephen King's book, The Stand, where the plague comes through, but it kills 99% of the people in two days. That's right. You know, I mean. A lot of science fiction books written about that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you know, if that happens, then all bets are off. But okay. aside from that, we muddle through and there's, you know, new baselines that we don't sink beneath. You know, it's like nobody's advocating for chattel slavery or cannibalism. I, I, you don't rule that out when there's that, what is that, that dark spot in the sky, or is this just another, you know, dire prediction factory, but where, you know, the, the astronomers can't see whether or not an asteroid is heading our direction. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't rule anything out, but, you know, basic normal staying within the 90-yard lines, I think we're going to be fine. I think so. Uh, I mean, and that's not to, you know, diminish. And this is where green comes in. And my, you know, good green sensitivity, people are going to suffer, including you and me. You know, I, have I mean, a client who's on her fourth week of COVID. This is a client of mine. Uh -huh. Okay. And she got it, got it a month ago. This is, it's a, it's the, 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 the concept of a novel virus. Um, you, you know, uh, one thing that's coming out of this around health circles is, is about immune function. Yeah, a lot of people, I, Becky and I have been talking about this a lot. You know, really the best at this point, until there's a vaccine, the best defense around this thing is to have a healthy immune system. Well, well, what are the things that create healthy immune systems? Um, not things that are particularly widely widely known. And as particularly when people talk about stress reduction, they're not talking about, I want to do stress reduction so I'll have a more robust immune system. Right. I want to get better sleep. So I want to not argue so much with my wife. So, I'll have, But, you know, all those things put together give you a more robust immune system. Um, again, this is now more part of the general dialogue. Yeah, than I've known totally. Totally. No, uh, let me count the ways we're becoming more intelligent. Ah, you know, I mean, yeah. really, uh, vi in terms of viral, you know, what, first of all, let me just pause there. What the fuck is a virus? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is this thing? It's not really alive. It doesn't metabolize. It doesn't breathe. It doesn't poop. It, it doesn't, it, it's this thing. It uh, multiplies and gets in your DNA and, I mean, again, this life force, Keith, you know, I don't know what to make of it. 
It's life. You know, I was talking to my son about it. He's we just graduated from medical school. Right? Oh, right. So, you know, he's he's going to do his residency in Portland where they're having. Uh, I don't know if they'll still they'll probably still be struggling with this when he starts. He said there's there's debate about whether viruses are, are life. And I go, come on. You know, come on, Ethan. You know, you know, okay, here we are. You and I are conscious selves now, right? Okay, so we're directing our psychological and physiological uh, processes at this moment, you and I. Okay, so how are we doing it? By how we, how we sit, how we're drinking water, who we're hanging out with, how we're thinking, positive thoughts, negative thoughts. Okay, we're at the teetery top of a huge pyramid that goes all the way back down to the beginning of time that we've included and transcended. And how we think and how we relate and how we manage what conscious decisions we make affects every single level going all the way down into, until it's all the way down through life into non-life, okay? In other words, I'm actually affecting the geology. We're affecting the, the geology of the planet individually. And so is a virus alive? You bet it's alive. Is it being affected by me at this moment, all the viruses around me? Of course they're being affected by, by me, by decisions that I make. I mean, now is, is it being affected by us intersubjectively? The viruses in our bodies are being affected by how we relate? Oh, this no. <laughs> You're scaring me again, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> but it is spooky, isn't it? And it actually, it's, it's worth noting, I think one of the things that's been most helpful to me about integral theory is that, you know, the, the life exists down in the atomic and subatomic level in the sense yeah. that atoms have four quadrants. They have yeah. an upper left, you know, they have their interior world, they individual, they have their world with each other, they exist in space their actual material prehension yes yeah exactly so they have little tiny consciousnesses and little tiny choices that they make and you know so is a rock alive in the same way no but the atoms there are and then the atoms become uh, molecules and the molecules become cells and the cells become organisms and that those are holons that go up in complexity that uh, end up as far as we know with us Becky, you know, a self-conscious, hold on. Becky and I were, were walking in. She, she was saying, I wish there was a woman president, you know, which every, a lot of people I know, including me, would like. And I said, but, you know, you, there are, you're already president. You're president of the United States of Becky. <laughs> you know, like, there are, there are billions of little, of, of little, thing, part, little hold-ons in yeah. you. Yeah. They have included and transcended up into your conscious self. And, you know, your conscious self, Becky, you're the president of the United yeah. States of Becky. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, my friend Maria was reading to me from Bill Bryson's book, The Body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's so good as a as a science writer, uh, nonfiction writer. And uh, he was just talking about, I forget the number, but the octobazillion atoms that have decided oh. to come together and become you, me, and Becky, and everybody else. It's like, what's up with that? You well, know, really. Yeah, that's the evolutionary impulse right yeah. there. That's, that, that, that takes me back to, to I don't know. You know, I, I, I keep thinking about this, and I know you got it from somewhere, but how do, how do you create the, 
the the collective works of you just, of Shakespeare, uh, yeah, it take plasmid at thirteen point eight billion years. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and, and and a little bit of a sidetrack, but uh, speaking of women presidents, uh, I, I have to say, as much as Trump pains me, I am happy that I don't have to witness the specter of Hillary Clinton trying to get a stimulus plan through Congress oh, and the, sure. you know, the, so, the necessary social, socialization of the economy that we've witnessed mm -hmm. uh, being led by Republicans is, oh, you know, yes. a, a yeah. bit of a relief. Let me just say that. And I think actually probably evolutionarily potent in the integration of left and right. You know, I've been, I've been finding that more and more through since, since I, I, I've not been satisfied with outrage. Yeah, good. I've been finding myself more and more yearning for a renewal in the Republican Party. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I would really like there to be a David Brooks, John McCain, Republican Party. You know, Romney, Republican Party. And say one of the things that they did is they said, okay, one thing that we all agree, agree about is we, we want to take care of babies and children. And so what they did is, is they, they got a bipartisan thing to have, have people visit uh, single mothers every week um, to provide resources and health care and so on for, for poor families, um, for children. Um, just really radically expand, re, you know, reduce or eliminate child abuse and child neglect. If that could go on for about 10 or 12 years, that generation of children would, would skew towards pro the progressive because they would be non-traumatized. And non-traumatized kids tend to grow up into have, have been able to um, be contributing members of society and to be open to new ideas. Um, and I was thinking, and if that happened, then, then the conservatives that would come out of that would be fine, create a Republican party out of people that, that are non-traumatized, that, um, that have been, that were supported as, as infants. Um, the, yeah. the, and, and so I'm yearning for well, if the, that system. Yeah, well, good. You know, me too. Yeah. And if the trends of history continue, that will happen. It's inevitable. And now, how quickly, you know, the, the zigs and zags of getting there and all of, and all of the, you know, culture war around getting there. Yeah, good point. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the childhood, was not even, you know, they were, they, you know, they were, you were raising kids to take care of you. That was the, sure, for most of human history. It wasn't even recognized. Yeah, te adolescents, teenagers, these are even new constructs. That's and right. now we have this other new construct that people aren't really growing up till they're 26 or 27. Yeah, extended Fair enough. Right. It's a, the world is sufficiently complex where we need that kind of uh, acknowledgement of our development. I like and actually, that. if you want to keep going, how about the 30s and the 40s and the 50s? <laughs> yeah. Certainly, you know, there's certainly definable periods. Yeah. You know, there's four of them in adolescence. You know, there's probably there's, there's seven or eight of them up until nine years old. Adolescence, first stage of adolescence is nine to 13. Last stage is 18 to 22. The, the 20s are a crucial decade. Um, in, you know, I, I get distressed about um, the, um, the kids that get sidetracked or left behind at about 
uh, at about adolescence. Um, you know, about 12, you see a wild diversions ha happening. Um, I would really love to have that be a super focus of a culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there's where, um, you know, we can look back in history and see the power of initiation into, you know, at least physical adulthood. Yeah. There, there, that, that has been a, a, a pivot point in cultures of all times and places because it's so important and we don't do it right. You, you know, know, the most the, popular, the most popular school in, uh, in Santa Barbara is Santa Barbara, as far as I know, is the Santa Barbara Middle School. And that was set together by this guy, I don't know, 40 years ago named Kent, who had this vision of initiation as an organizing principle of, of early adolescence. So, you know, he took the best data of the day, got a bunch of dedicated teachers together, and put together this school, you know, it's goes sixth to ninth grade. And the last thing that they do in the ninth grade is called rites of passage where the kid gets up in front of the assembled uh, student body and, and parents and people speak for him or her. Mm. They speak about who they were and who they've become. Mm. Um, I remember, and, you know, and you just sit there and cry through the whole thing. Um, I, you know, I, when my son went through it, I, I mean, just, what are you going to do? <laughs> and why is that so po popular? You know, why are people willing to pay $30,000 to send their kid to junior high school, which is way more than I paid for any of my degrees? It's because we intuitively feel the need to bring that back into the culture. Yeah. But unfortunately, in, in America, you know, which is just, that's available to people that can pay $30,000 a, a year yeah. to send their kid to junior high school. Yeah. You know, I want all the kids to have something. Yeah. Like that. Right on, Keith. Me too. I'd add a fire walk to that. Oh my God. I don't want to do that. I mean, <laughs> but, I, I, but I, I get, you know, it would burn his feet. I don't want to do fire walking. I don't care what. Tony no, you, you can't, you would never get parents to do that. But, uh, <laughs> but still there, there, you know, the, uh, what you're talking about is, you know, deeply powerful. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's, in traditional or particularly earlier pre-traditional societies, pre it was always some sort of a, you know, trial, a physical trial as well. Uh, and that's why, you know, even that, Keith, you know, to, to, to take kids to, I don't know how long it's going to be before this happens, but I do think it's inevitable. Kids will go and have adventures yeah. and there'll be, you know, structures for that. And there'll be sort of safe dangers. I don't know. You know, it's like a outward bound now. I, I have I have kids that I work with that, that are part of institutionalized, you know, like going down rivers for a month. Yeah. In the summer yeah. or also, you know, an interesting thing, if you look in... Um, yeah, if every kid doesn't get to go down a serious river in a raft, then we're not doing it right. Yeah. Or some version of that. Some version of that. Some Whatever, whatever lights them up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, this reminded me of something that you said earlier. Um, when you're dealing with um, either a third world or, or tribal societies, um, you can track a parasite load versus um, ethnocentrism and fear of the other and, and pervasiveness of travel in those environments. Okay. So, um, you know, back in the hunter-gatherer days, tribes were so widely dispersed. It was like the American Indians. You know, the, if there was some kind of COVID virus, it would kill one tribe, but it, would, it wouldn't spread because tri tribes didn't interact with each other. In the third world, they do. 
Um, but the difference here is, is that we're all connected via Zoom and via TV and so on. And so we're having the threat, but we're not having the same, and we're all having to shelter in place, you know, in that sense, frightened of other people, not traveling. But I've seen more of a sense of, of world centricism and of communality. I'm calling my friends more often now than I did before, not less often. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's a function of the evolution of consciousness, yes. that, that, that the forces that previously would, would, would more disconnect groups actually are creating more connection. Yeah. You know, some, that's, that seems to be happening with my clients, with their, with their kids. The, you know, the kids under 10, you know, the, the parents are complaining like crazy. But, you know... A lot of the kids under 10 are really happy having dad home or mom home. Wow. Playing Isn't that dad. interesting? You're they're, right. They're, they're, you know, these kids are the, um, the, the behavior, some behavior problems. Sure. That, you know, there are meltdowns and so on, but particularly for the kids under, under eight or nine, um, they're, they're, even though they're missing school because they're friends and stuff, there's something that's that's pretty good for a lot of these kids being mm -hmm. around mom and dad. Mom and dad are talking more about their kids than they did before in sessions. Um, they're more hands-on about how their kids have what their kids' learning styles Interesting. are, or, or getting their kids out. You know, we don't have PE now, so now I'm gonna. One of my clients, he said he got a program of couch to 5K, and he's doing it with his son. So they get up every morning and they do their intervals and stuff. And I and his son is is had some behavior problems, having fewer behavior problems. And I'm just wondering if at a certain level of consciousness, this kind of thing then somehow strengthens yes. family bonds and cultural bonds. Yes. It's no, that's fascinating. I'm sure this will be well studied. Yeah, this, you know, whatever it is, this year of the plague, this three months of shutdown, this, whatever it is, uh, what, what, what happened? Right. What happened, you know, what happened to the kids? In, in, uh, until, until there's a vaccine. How many babies did we conceive? How, 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 you know, how many divorces? How, how many more yeah, right. or less? You know, I mean, I'm just fascinated. It'll be, I'm sure, well studied. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that data. I yeah. am. And I'm hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you know, I know that this is a deadly disease. Okay. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a, since I'm a, I'm a fear type, I've always kind of lived with the, 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 the specter of deadly disease. All around. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, one of the reasons when I was a teenager, I, I, I was a vegetarian and I took vitamins. Just, I, I didn't want to get a deadly disease. You yes. Know, they're all over the place. Yeah. So this is kind of not a qualitatively different world. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that disgust impulse, that fear impulse of getting contaminated is, is deep in the human psyche, of course. I mean, very evolutionarily appropriate. But then there's us fear types. It's, you know, we get an extra dose. You're beyond. Yes. You know, disgust, interestingly, is one of the is one of the latest, if not the latest, developing emotion. Disgust oh, really? doesn't really come online until four or five. Uh huh. Okay, and when it does, it comes online in two different ways. It comes online about being disgusted about stuff <laughs> you know, like icky stuff, like you know, poop and you know, vomit and all that stuff. Right. But it also comes online around moral disgust, which are intimately connected. Hmm. Uh, and in that sense, disgust like shame is one of the most intense social emotions. 
Um, because we don't want to be morally disgusted with ourselves or with yeah. other people. Yeah. And so that's a motivating force. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen in terms of, do we hug anymore? Will we ever again? You know, I mean, I'm gonna hug I, you the next time I see you, Jeff. Well, there you go. Well, I'll risk my life to hug my friend, Jeff. Yeah. Well, it's it's gonna be interesting because it was not so long ago that you know I was walking down the street of the neighborhood we go to in Mexico and just bumping into people, and I love that. And going to restaurants, going to the grocery store. And avoiding Trader Joe's at certain times because it's shoulder to shoulder. Now I miss all that. <laughs> no, me too. I, I remember, you know, when I walked down the street before, it was it, to, to me it was always pretty the downtown. Um, I often it was almost it was overwhelming in a good way because I'd look at I, I don't go out that much, and I'd see all the faces, and in each face I would see a Dostoevsky novel. You mm. know? Yeah. And, and, and the complexity and richness of the human experience. Oh, my God. Just, and in now bringing, bringing it back to the current situation, um, I'm, really, I'm really hoping, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but the, there's a contrast between how people are being taken care of in different countries. Okay? And the, the extractive economy of, of the United States is in stark contrast to some some of the even the hardest hit uh, countries, even the Spain and, and Italy and so on, and I'm I'm really hoping that there that there's a shift to um, uh, we, we we've been we've been we've been believing the big lies for so long in this country. I, I really want people to go, no no for private healthcare no the, the insurance industry no. You know, the, uh, the levels of poverty, even though that poverty has gone down, you know, the, 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 how close to the edge that, that we allow uh, so many people. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm hoping that they have a moral, I'm hoping there's a general moral disgust that arises mm -hmm. around that, as we see it displayed, um, you know, throughout the crisis in one way or another. I'm yeah. hoping for that. Yeah. Well, I expect that. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's the difference between, oh, just kidding. But yeah, no, we can't unsee these things. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, I don't know, I think it, it's like, you know, one of the features of the green economy that is inevitably coming, short of the asteroid, mm -hmm. is egal a greater egalitarianism in general and a raising of the baseline. So yes. that people who work in nursing homes make a living wage and yes. they have a security and that becomes a profession that is recognized and respected and uh, somebody could make a living and live a life doing it. And yes. then it's like the teachers, Keith. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, let's pay them well. And then the ones that are just not suited, they just but can't do it. Them, yeah. All right. Well, um, well, I think, I think that we're we've good, got right? as far as we can go today yeah, on right this on. whole thing. Though, yeah. you know, who knows what's going to happen a month from now? I don't know. I mean, if you look at a month ago, I mean, right. I, don't, I wouldn't know what to expect. You know, the reason we're having this conversation is a month ago, you and I were going to talk about uh, Sam Harris's book, Waking Up. We're going to talk about psychedelics, uh, microdosing and, and macrodosing as forms of transformative experiences, alternative to psychotropic drugs. You know, we were going to talk about the um, significance of transcendent experience in adult development. 
you know, we were all hot to do that. We were, you know, I had the book all loaded. I was going to read it. And then all of a sudden, bam, here we are. Two, two weeks ago, I gave you a call because I was lonely. <laughs> and we were talking and, and, you know, we both realized we're going to have to talk about yeah. COVID. There's right. no other topic right now. No topic. You know, and um, so we got to roll with it. Oh, but I want to bring up one thing for our listeners. Okay. Um, and I know, by the way, I, I'm really appreciative of all the people that follow us. Um, every once in a while, yeah, I talk too. to somebody who says, I've seen every shrinking pundit, and I love them all, and I love you guys. And, and we love you guys, and I, we really appreciate it. That's you. true. So I want to just tell you guys this, and, and I hope you're all safe and comfortable and doing well, and Jeff and I are thinking about you. So Jeff and I are writing a book uh, about shrinking the pundit, okay? We're, we're, we're taking transcripts of episodes, and we're commenting on them, and we're putting them together and stuff. And so you guys out there... Um, if there is an episode that you really liked or a segment that you really like or some aspect of how Jeff and I do our thing you really like, could you please write us, you know, write Jeff at Daily Evolver or Keith at um, drkeithwitt.com. You know, you, you know, you can leave comments. You know, let us know because you can help us write this book. But yeah. Well, here, here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated and curious as well. Yes. So. Well, right. Jeff, I always feel better talking to you. I feel good talking to you. Thank you. <laughs> Likewise, Keith. It's, all right. All right. Love to all. See Love you next all. time. Bye-bye.